Well, thanks, Cam, for that, and uh, thanks, worship team, uh, for leading us this morning. That is, that is awesome to, to be here uh, wrapping up this year and then looking forward to uh, next year as well. Um, and I'm excited, as always, to open God's Word with you this morning. I hope that and pray uh, that it makes a difference in our, our day-to-day lives, that it, it truly does carry through our week and, uh, and make a difference for us and those around us. Um, I'm not sure if you've ever been around someone that's really good with children, really good with kids, but um, something special happens when uh, an adult, uh, a professional adult, gets down on the ground, gets down on their knee, and makes a connection with a child, looks them face in the it looks them face to face and makes that genuine, significant, real, authentic connection. Now, I had a friend uh, where we used to live that he did it better than anyone I've ever known. Um, my kids uh, used to call him crazy coach because he was super enthusiastic. He was super energetic. He was really driven. He, he went after everything uh, 110% full bore. But He knew how to take the time to be silly. He knew how to take the time, slow everything down, and make a genuine connection. So he would stop by our house sometimes. He would put everything else aside, all the other things, all the other demands that he had on his schedule, just to get face-to-face with our kids. He would kneel down, produce a lollipop or an extra-large bag of M&Ms or something like that, and my kids would just light up. They were so excited when he came by. But what was special about that moment wasn't the lollipops, it wasn't the M&Ms. It was that real, authentic, genuine, deep connection of a professional, an adult, getting down on the level of a child and making a real connection. Now, if you were an alien from another planet and you were observing this strange interaction between an adult and a child that involved a lot of giggling, some growling, and some happy noises, um, and some squealing, you might think, wow, that adult must have lost all respect from anyone else in the room as they engaged with that child. That must have been a really strange thing going on. But you and I know as human beings that that is not, ex- not the case at all. Our respect and awe for that crazy coach only went up as we saw him engage with our kids. And it, the truth is, sometimes we need to slow down to engage with what's right in front of us, to touch what seems so far away from us. That feeling of something more, that experience of something more, that personal, that vibrant connection. That's the title of uh, this message this morning, Something More. And we're going to see, um, we're going to see the ways that our Lord and our Savior provides exactly that for us. So when we slow down and when we see someone else slow down their world, their busy life to engage with somebody else, our respect and awe goes up for them. This morning, I want us to hear about one very important, significant professional who did just that, got down on our level, looked us right in the face, and engaged with us in a genuine and a real 
in a significant way. Our text is John chapter 1. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 5 if you want to take a second to turn there. It's a simple structure, simple, simple words, simple phrasing, but profound meaning. It's very easy to get into the book of John and just blaze right through these verses. But we're going to slow down. We're going to take a look at um, what this verse is saying. And we're going to be struck, I hope, with the clear facts that it presents. This just, it isn't just nice wording. This is John presenting the facts of what he knows about Jesus. And here's what he says. He says, love is more. Darkness is less. And light reveals something more. Let's read our text, verses 1 through 5. John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Now, if we look back at verse 1, we might expect it to say, in the beginning was God, because that's how Genesis starts. This is a creation narrative, so we're expecting in the beginning was God, but John gives us a different word. In fact, he gives us Word, in the beginning was the Word. And we know from context, if we skip ahead to verse 14, that the Word is Jesus. In the beginning was the Word. In the beginning was Jesus. We can see that John is pointing back to creation, that let there be light moment. But we can also see that he's pointing ahead, he's pointing to the person of Jesus Christ. And that spiritual light that shines into our lives and illuminates our reality. Jesus is the visible and the audible expression of the thoughts and the soul of God. Think about that for a second. Without Jesus, we would have no idea what God was thinking. Without Jesus, we would have no idea what God was sensing, what God was feeling, what God was moving towards what he ultimately desires and wants of our lives. The other thing we've got to notice is Jesus has always been in community. He's always been in community with Father and Spirit. There's always been that synchronized, uninhibited, unhindered link between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Because Jesus always has been, because the Trinity has always been, love has always been. Love's not something that we can invent or muster up or find in a season of that reality show. And love is not something that we make. We don't make love as opposed to what the popular um, music of our day suggests. There has always been love, and it wasn't invented. It just was, between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We can't deny it. We can't quite describe it always, and it's sometimes hard for us to replicate 
that kind of love. But we know that it's there. We know that we need it. We know that that is the something more that we're longing for. We may be disenchanted by love. Maybe love has let us down. Maybe we've been dumped. Or maybe, maybe it just hasn't met our needs in the way that we thought it should. That significant person in our lives didn't meet those needs that we had. But we wouldn't feel that discontent if there wasn't something more. C.S. Lewis puts it this way. If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. Indeed, we're made for another world, a world of life and light where perfect relationship happens. And if we're honest, we know that we're not there yet. Our souls desire it. We long for that something more, but we haven't attained it yet. So we've seen that love is more, and there's more to love. But we also know that the darkness is real, and the darkness is less. Read with me again. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. But the darkness has not understood it. See, we've got to be realistic, as the text is. We're hanging out in the darkness. I don't have to convince you of that. That's the reality that we experience. There's pain, suffering, sadness, depression, anxiety, worry, anger, guilt, pride, envy, laziness, selfishness. All these things darken our world. And our solution can be to keep the pedal down, to press on, to drive forward, to not notice, to try and deny that those things exist, and to just keep moving forward and keep moving forward, head down, plowing ahead. But consider some of your biggest regrets. Think for a moment those things that you look back on your life and you're like, I wish that had been different. I wish I had acted differently. I wish I had chosen differently. And think about it. Wouldn't you have loved to have a little bit of light shining in on that situation? Just a little bit of wisdom to help you make the choice to take a step in this direction instead of that direction. To avoid that blunder, to avoid that mistake, to avoid that huge error. So every once in a while, um, I am here late at night, closing up shop after a student group on Wednesdays. And because I'm lazy, I uh, don't turn on the lights uh, in the downstairs children's wing uh, to get from the youth room to my office. I just walk through in the darkness. Uh, on plenty of occasions, I've thought that I've seen something in the shadows and been really scared. But I always make it from point A to point B alive. Now, the other night I was here, I'm walking through, just as I usually do, kind of doing it by feel, walking through the hall. It's very dark. 
And then I catch something. My eye catches a little, uh, a little sliver of a shape on the ground. It's round. I see the e- just the edge of it because there's some ambient light from the exit sign showing me the edge of this big rubber ball. Now, if I had kept my course and not had that little glimmer of light to show me the edge of that ball, I would have stepped on it, probably fallen down, and there would have been some serious pain as a consequence. Now, how many times have we walked into that situation and we didn't have that ambient light, we didn't have that glow, and we took a bad step, and maybe we're still paying for those, uh, we're still paying the consequences out for that bad step. Imagine what it would have been like to have just a little bit of light. Now think about your life. Could it be that Jesus wants to have a face-to-face conversation with you? Could it be that he wants to have an at-the-kitchen-table type of convo with you? But life's too busy. We're not willing to slow it down enough. We're not willing enough. We're not willing to move the distractions to the side so that we can actually engage, so that we can actually listen, so that we can accept and receive that light that he wants to offer us. This is the difficulty of our times. We long for something more. We long for that thing that is out there somewhere that we can't quite touch. But we're drawn constantly back into the shadows. Why? Why do we settle for the shadows? Why do we get drawn back in? Because it's safer. It's easier. In the shadows, we don't have to face the reality of our sin. We don't have to face the reality of the darkness. So, um, every... uh, Every summer when I was a kid, I went to summer camp. And one of the activities that we did was go on a caving trip. And one year, we went on this caving trip. And I remember being super nervous because that's just my personality. And we went into the cave, flashlights on. Our leader was out ahead of us, led us into the, the heart of this cave. And just as I'm starting to kind of feel calm and, and like, okay, this is okay, we're living, this is no problem... The counselor stops and said, now everybody turn out your lights. Oh. Everybody turns out their lights, and it gets pitch black. And I don't know if you've ever experienced a darkness of this magnitude, but you could hold your hand up in front of your face and wait and wait and wait and never see your hand. You knew it was there. But because it was so dark, your eyes would never adjust. There wasn't any light to adjust to. So you could continue, you could, you could sit there knowing full well that your hand is right in front of your face, but be able to deny it at the same time. And don't we do that with our sin? Don't we, don't we push our sin into the shadows? Don't we um, feel that safety of not having to face our sin because... We've allowed the darkness to come in. Yeah, we can deny it's there, but we can't escape the reality 
of our sin. Just like we can't escape the reality that our hand is in front of our face, even though we can't see it. But Jesus reveals something more. We've seen that love is more, darkness is less. Jesus reveals something more. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was the life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Jesus is the light that illuminates our lives. This is the light that makes sense of our existence and the meaning of our lives. Light illuminates, but light also sterilizes. Light illuminates, it shows us what's been previously hidden and shows us the way as well. There's two things we can't do in the light. We can't ignore the truth and we can't deny our sin. But the light also helps us see the way out. When we were sitting in that cave in complete darkness, there would have been no way to get out. We all had to turn our lights back on. And when we did, suddenly there it was. There's the way out. Because the darkness doesn't have the capacity to absorb the light. Look at the word. The wording is the darkness has not understood it. Some translations say the darkness has not overcome it. Light is the more powerful of the forces. And so think about it. If right now you're in one of those dark seasons, if you're in one of those dark moments, take this passage to heart. Mull it over. Let the truth of it wash over you. Light is more powerful than the dark. The darkness cannot overcome it. But here's the great thing. Jesus doesn't just shine in from a remote location. He comes down to us. He steps into our reality. He actually takes a knee, kneels down, puts his hand on our shoulders and looks us face to face. And rather than shake the sense into us, hey, wake up, you need the light, what are you doing? He pours out grace upon grace upon grace. And he makes a real, genuine, deep connection with us because he wants us to know him and he wants to be known by us. That's incredible. That's incredible if you think about it. Um, if you look at verse, verse 14, it says, and he dwelt among us. The word dwelt is in the Old Testament, tabernacled. It means he tented with us. He camped out with us. He came into our space and camped on earth. The tabernacle was where the very presence of God resided. Jesus took on a human body, flesh with its limitations of space and time, with physical handicaps, fatigue, hunger, thirst. He took on a human mind. This is ridiculous. He increased in wisdom as a child as he grew up. He took on a human soul and emotions. 
You know this if you've read any of the stories about him. He grieved. He was troubled. He was susceptible to suffering. He marveled and he had joy. But at the same time, the creator, totally and fully divine, the one who brought all things, the universe, the cosmos, all things into existence, and who holds all things together, he came down to us. He's a busy guy. He's a really powerful guy. He's a really important guy. Jesus is God. Yet he lowered himself to our level. He slowed it all down. He stepped into our world. He exposes what sin truly is. And he offers the only cure for that fatal diagnosis of that sin condition. God got down on our level. He shows us the problem clearly and then shows us the only clear solution, and that's through him. He became weak to look us in the face. He went to the cross and was humiliated for us. Is this registering as something more this morning for you? You letting this sink in? Can you feel it? When I consider the lengths that God went to kneel down and look me in the face with a smile and present me with a gift, when he should have been shaking the sense into me, I have to pause. I have to take a moment for that one to sink in. I can feel the excitement and the anticipation rising. Not only to receive that gift, but to turn it around and give it to somebody else. Do you know that you're valued like that? Does someone that you know need to know that they're valued like that? For me, to know I'm valued like that makes me want to live like my life is worth something more. I already know I'm valued, so I don't have to race around on this earth to prove my value through my performance, through my career. I don't have to be insecure and nearsighted to believe that my worth is somehow wrapped up in what I do. But I also can't be arrogant enough to be prideful enough to think that history began when I came on the scene and it's going to end when I exit. We're a part of something much, much bigger. In Jesus... We see perfect humility and hope running together that lets us touch the transcendent, that lets us touch that something more that we know is there, that we inherently know that it's there. And he's been doing this since the beginning. He's been connecting with us since the beginning. Through his creation, And since humanity first got kicked out of the garden and separated from him, he talked with Noah. He met with Moses. 
He gave victory to kings. He graced judges with discernment. He gave divine words to the prophets. He came in the person of Jesus Christ. He continued in the gospel given to the apostles and shines into our world right now to know me, to know you, to know us, and to be known in relationship. So we've got to ask, do we want the light? Do we want the transcendent? That's something more. That's always been. Or are we happy with the temporary darkness that gives us maybe a short, false sense of security? Do we want to see the face of Jesus? Or will we turn away from him? Picture this as Jesus kneels down to engage with you face to face. Will we turn away? Would we actually do that? I have plenty of examples in my life where I've done that. Where I've allowed the temptation to get the better of me. where I've allowed my own desires, my own selfish desires, to lead the way instead of the light. But do we want to be a part of something more, a part of something with eternal and lasting consequence? Think about it this way. Sometimes our kids need us to engage with them with grace upon grace. Sometimes our friends need us to engage with them with light in the darkness. Sometimes our spouses need us to engage with them with love and life. Sometimes our coworkers need to see that something more in us. So here's a couple simple questions that have been helpful checks for me as I've gone about my as I've gone about my day, some things that hopefully will, will help you if you're willing to use them. Think about this. Ask this question to yourself. Is this performance-driven? Is this about how I look? Or is this love and light-driven? Is this about God's mission? Is this mission-driven? Is this about how God looks? Is this about engaging for the benefit of somebody else to make much of God and to make much of the relationship that he's gone to great lengths to provide for us? Think about it. Who could I inspire with that glow or that ambient light? Who could benefit from seeing just a little bit of light shining in on their situation? Might cause them to take a step to the side. Might help them avoid that, that blunder. Will we slow down our world to create and incarnate somebody else's? Will we make someone's day by caring enough to get involved in theirs? Yeah, we have goals this year. We have resolutions. We have some things we want. Maybe we've convinced ourselves that these are things that we need. 
But basically, we know that we're missing something, if we're honest. We, w- we want something more, but we're surrounded by the darkness. We're stuck. Then a really crazy thing takes place. Jesus steps into our world, steps into the darkness, and provides light. Light that cannot be overcome, that the darkness doesn't understand. And he comes down and gets face to face with us. Camps out with us here, day in and day out. And makes a real connection. And we can turn to him. And then we can turn that something more around for somebody else. What will we resolve right now to be this year for somebody else? What if we resolve right now to slow down long enough to let our lives and our light shine into somebody else's world? Jesus slowed it all to come all down to come down to us. And he's God. Imagine what could happen if we were willing to slow it down. Take a moment right now. Think about it. Think about one thing that you could do. What would you have to slow down, maybe even stop completely to provide something more for someone else and to experience that connection? What does something more look like for you? Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for stepping into our reality from... Thank you for shining light into the darkness and being present with us. Thank you for not just staying at arm's length, but for actually coming down, for making that personal touch on our lives, for connecting with us face to face, for wanting to have that at the kitchen table kind of conversation. Lord, I pray that you would move in our hearts, that you would draw us out of the darkness, that we would walk in the light, that we would step into the light even though we might be afraid of what we're going to find there, what we might be afraid of, uh, what we might see, the truth that might be revealed. God, I pray that we would take that step, that you would give us the courage to do that. And you would be working in a real and tangible way in our lives. And we would see you as we look around at all of creation. And that we would know you as we engage with your Holy Spirit as we engage with you. Lord, I pray that you would help us to accept and receive that something more that only you can provide and that you would let us shine that into the lives of all of those that we engage with. Lord, help us to see that you are that transcendent something more that we long for. And you're actually closer than what we may have thought at the beginning. Thank you for coming close. Thank you for drawing near. I pray that we would receive the gift of life and light from you this morning and that we would be eager and excited to give that away. Be with us this week and help us to uh, do exactly what you've called us to do. In Jesus' name, amen.